your hand. But anyway, I'm glad. Lock Talk Radio. Hello. Yeah, Brian goes slipping. My wife. My, my wife was talking to me this morning about some boy who used to work for us at the restaurant. I couldn't even remember him. So, yeah. Showed me a picture. I still couldn't remember. <laughs> That's when you know you're getting bad off. All right. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Let's take a songbook and let's turn to 495. 495. Brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. Let's sing this morning. Brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. Will you pray? Anybody? I've got several things up here I need to mention. If anybody got 
one heavy on their heart, but thank God one of them's one of them answered, Joanne's here this morning. I was going to pray for her because I know she wasn't feeling good. She'd been down the last few days, but praise God, she's, you, you, on, you on about 50, you on about 50%, but you're here, amen. Yeah, I'm here. I like you to move. Amen. Okay. And then, Well, any, any better, praise God. We can praise God for it. Wow. Anyway, she's pretty much a little bit better. And then my niece is Megan. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, praise God for that. Good report for that. Amen. And for and for Dan, hold on. And praying for Dan. Dan said he ain't feeling too good this morning, so we want to lift him up in prayer. God touch you and give you some help and. And help you feel better and get you get you on the mend. Mom, you had your hand up as well. Yes. And also, uh huh. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Got a prosthetic. Amen. Sure will. We need to remember, like I said, we're praying for Dan. We need to remember pray for Scott. Uh, I heard he, he got a good report. I mean, I said good report, but they got him on some medicine. He said it's going to help him, and and, uh, and there, he's on the list for a liver transplant. So let's be praying that he gets that transplant call and that he can get that taken care of and they can get him on the mend too because he's, he's going through it. He needs all the help he can get in, in prayer. So let's, let's band together and lift him up in prayer. Miss Nell, Miss Shirley said she fell this week two times, you said? That's the second time she fell. Oh, second time. Praise God you're here. Amen. That's the great thing about it. I mean, with the exception of Scott, everybody we're praying for is here. And, and praise God, I know he can't be, but pray for him that he'll get better. And pray for Miss Nell that she gets feeling better and the nerves regenerate in her legs. Uh, I want to mention we prayed Wednesday night for the Jim Riley family. Those are friends of ours, uh, mom's friend Amy comes down and is with us from time to time. It's her father-in-law. He passed away the other night. He laid down on the floor, and he never got back up. He had a heart attack and died. I'll pray for him and that family. Uh, also over in Deport, uh, Wendy May, um, her husband Dustin works at the funeral home in Paris with Brian Gibbs, and their boys played baseball with my boys. And, and uh, she had weight loss surgery a number of years ago, and and she's been in the hospital complications from that surgery, and they have her now on those ECMO machines keeping her bodily functioning, and they don't think that she's going to make it, but so far she's still hanging on, so please pray for her. She's in her she's in her 40s, and, uh, you know, just mess she's had to go through is on account of all this stuff. So please pray for them. They're a good church-going family, and uh, and they, they need prayer. Um, also... September the 15th through the 17th, I'll be preaching revival meeting at Delhi Baptist Church in Rosanke, Texas. And I and I ask you please to pray for me, pray for God to lead me to the right messages that He wants me to preach. I'll preach three times while I'm down there. Uh, just pray that God will coordinate that whole thing and and just use a, me and and Dr. David Shepherd, who's also preaching that meeting with me, and use us in a powerful way and and bring revival down there to that church and that community. That's that's my heart's desire, and I, and I ask you to join me in prayer for that, that that happens. Amen? All right.
Well, let's pray for this morning service as well. Pray God moves anything else from anybody before we go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray for all those that are out church this morning. Don't know where they're at this morning, but God knows all about it, and they know all about it, and they need prayer. Amen. Anything from anybody? Amen. Let's pray for, pray for me. Pray for Robert, yeah. Robert can't eat, so pray for Robert. He needs prayer. Pray for his appetite to get under control. All right. Well, let's go to the Lord. Let's go to the Lord and ask God to meet with all these things. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated.
Savior, he patiently 
we're going to get back in the chapter. We're going to actually back up in the chapter a little bit. I told you when we went through this chapter that there were some things there that I was just going to kind of going to breeze over and we come back to. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. I, how many of y'all like getting presents? Anybody in here likes to get presents? I do. I enjoyed it. Somebody said, oh, i got a gift for you. I always liked it. I like tearing wrapping paper off. I I, I always, I, I, don't, I never did understand that people say, oh, be careful. You tear, cut the tape and, and save the ribbon. I mean, what's the point? You put that thing on there so you can tear it off, right? Amen. I like gifts. Amen. We're going to talk about gifts this morning. Amen. Spiritual gifts is what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look, and the title of the message is The Diversity of Spiritual Gifts. I told you all last week that God was all about diversity. He didn't make just a bunch of uniform people all look alike, all act alike, all talk alike, all... Uh, I mean, just all and all smell alike. That matter. I mean, he made us all different, and he gave us all differing di- gifts. And we all are different. We learned this last week. We're all different. We all function different, but we all make up the body of Christ. Amen. It's like our body. I mean, my my fingers and my ears operate differently. Amen. But they're all part of the same body. Amen. So, and you know, again, my toes and my nose operate differently. They're all part of the same body. So. Again, we're going to look at what he gives us in this body to function with. What kind of gifts does God give? And you say, well, what what, what I get out of this, preacher? Well, as we're going through this, you might recognize some semblance of these gifts maybe laying dormant in your life, that you're not really using these things and you already have them because God has given to you a gift. If you're a child of God, I want you to know that. I told you that last week. You have a ministry. You have an ability. You have a gift. You have something that God has designed that you can do, and only you, uh, well, I say only you, only you the way you do it. Uh, just as I was telling, I think I was sharing with uh, with Brother Krupa, we were sitting there, we were sitting at breakfast. I said, you know, it's amazing how, how we've all got the same gospel. I said, but it's just, it's, it's, I said, I love coffee, so I use coffee as an example. I said, you can run coffee through a, a metal coffee filter. And you can run it through a paper coffee filter, you can run it through a cloth filter, and they all taste different because it's what they're expressed through that gives them the different flavor, amen? And that's the way it is with us. It's the same message, same gospel, same Jesus, same salvation, but all of us are different. So when that gospel comes expressed through the filter that is you, it's going to have your unique flavor to it, amen? And, and, and you tell it like nobody else will tell it because it's you. And it's the same story, but again, Coming through you with your emotions and your gifts and your talents, God can use you in a way he would use, wouldn't use would use someone else. And, again, that's what we're going to look at this morning. So let's read verses 8 through 10, and we'll pray, and we'll get into the message. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. The Word of God says, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, and to, an, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith, by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing, by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, I ask you now, Lord, to help me. Lord, I pray you put your power on me and, and speak through me this morning and use me for your honor and glory. I want to magnify my Savior. Lord, I want to communicate these truths to your people. And, Lord, I want to drive home these points, Lord, to them. And, Lord, I want them to understand clearly what is available to the child of God, that the Spirit of God may give them and put in their life. And, Lord, that they are to be used of you. And we are to be used, Lord, to glorify 
Jesus Christ, Lord, to build the kingdom for you uh, in your power, your strength, and your wisdom. Father, help us tonight, uh, this morning, Lord, to understand as we go through these spiritual gifts and realize that these are real things that the Spirit of God can use a person uh, to function with. And, Lord, help us to, to be curious and, uh, and to seek after these things. Lord, please help me to preach now and to teach your people and help them to receive it. Lord, I pray for those who are listening in. Pray, Lord, that you'll give them the same blessing, Lord, and we'll thank you for all of it because we ask in the name of Jesus and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. All right, praise God. Well, let's not waste any time, and let's jump right into this thing, okay? So the Bible says, for, for unto one, for to one is given by the Spirit, that's capital S, Holy Spirit of God. He is the giver of gifts. He is the one who puts these things into our life. To one is given the word of wisdom. Now, we've been studying about wisdom on Wednesday night now for who knows how long. So we have a little better understanding of wisdom than to say somebody who hadn't been in the book of Proverbs. But we've learned, uh, we've learned in the book of Proverbs that wisdom is not just having common sense. Okay? Some people think if you're wise, you have lots of common sense. Well, that may be true. I wouldn't argue with that point. If you are wise, you probably do have a lot of common sense. But the thing is, a person can be unsaved and have lots of common sense. I've been around lots of lots of good old country boys who was as lost as a, uh, lost as could be, but yet they had lots of good sayings and lots of good cowboy wisdom and things of that nature. My daddy, my daddy had all kind of wisdom, but he wasn't very bright when it comes to the Word of God. But uh, but wisdom ain't common sense. Okay. Uh, wisdom is uncommon sense, amen? Wisdom is uncommon sense. Wisdom is only given by God. The Bible tells us God is the source of it. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth all men liberally, and upbraideth not. It's to say, and the reason I say that is because, again, if you're searching for wisdom, you can look all over this world and you won't find it. You can go to the philosophers of this world and if and if you get anything if you get anything from them that is wisdom, they got it from God. Amen. If you go to the books of this world, if there's anything in there that that is wisdom, it came from God. Somebody gleaned it from God somewhere and put it in another book for you. If you found any wisdom, otherwise you just found some knowledge. You didn't find wisdom. But wisdom, praise God, and they, they again, there's not a lot of people who have the word of wisdom. But praise God for those who do. We need those kind of people. Amen? Those kind of people make good counselors. Those are the kind of people you want to sit and talk to if you've got a problem because they, 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 they use the word of God in order to, just like, just like a good doctor applies good medicine and, and gets a person well, doesn't just keep them sick but makes them well, a real doctor. Uh, you know, again, that's, that's, that's the way somebody with wisdom wants to do it. They want to apply that wisdom so that wisdom fixes the problem not just keeps the problem lesser, amen? Unless we don't want to alleviate a little of your problem. I want you to get well, amen? I want you to get whole. I want you to come out of it and get delivered, amen? And wisdom is the kind of thing that can get somebody delivered out of their problems, amen? All right, secondly, we see in here the word of knowledge. The Bible says that, that God, by the Spirit to another, the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit. <coughs> and the gift of knowledge. Guess what? You would think that would mean, boy, you're a smart fellow if you've got the word of knowledge. But you know having the word of knowledge don't mean you know everything. 
But I think some people may think that's what it means, amen, uh, that, well, I, I'm a know-it-all. I got the word of knowledge and all that. Doesn't, that ain't what that means at all, amen. The gift of knowledge is the ability to know things that you couldn't know apart from the Spirit of God anointing you with this gift, with giving you guidance in order to know those things. Because the devil has a counterfeit of the gift of knowledge. It's called clairvoyance. You see, it's like palm readers, fortune tellers, all that stuff. And there's one, there's been some in Paris. There used to be one in Reno. Uh, used to be one in Clarksville probably too. I don't know if it was or not. But, but people go to those fortune tellers, and they're able to, to, to tell people stuff that they couldn't possibly know. You, you go, I, you, I hope you'd never go to somebody like that, but people go to the people and they sit down with them and, and they say, oh, well, your, 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 your uncle so-and-so was this kind of man, did this for a living. How would they know that? How would they know that? Let me tell you how they know that. Let me give you a little secret hint as to how them things work if you don't know already. There's a spirit world around us full of devils, full of angels and devils. All right, and those devils watch us and listen to us, hear everything we say, and they're older than we are. They've been around for, I mean, they're not timeless, but they've certainly been around since creation, and they know everything there is to know about you because, you know, believe me, there's devils that have watched you your whole life, and they know everything about you, know every detail of your life, and they probably know your family history. So they can sit there and communicate with somebody who's tapped into the devil, and the fortune tellers are. And so they've submitted themselves to those spirits so those spirits can speak to the spirit that's operating in them and give you the information that you think, how would they know that? Now, that's the devil working in somebody. But how does this word of knowledge work with God in somebody? Well, I can give you an example from the Bible of the word of knowledge. In Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, listen to the story. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife being also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan lied? I'm sorry, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. He was graveyard dead right there. Amen. A great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose and wound him up and carried him out and buried him. Amen. They didn't have to go to a funeral or nothing. Amen. Verse 7. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yeah, for so much. And Peter said unto her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then she fell, fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in, found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. I always felt sorry for them young men. They just got through digging a hole and buried one man. They come back in. They got to bury another. Amen. Bless their hearts. But that ain't the point. Point is, how did Peter know this? Peter wasn't there. He knew they were telling a lie. He knew it as sure as he was standing there. He knew it. But he wasn't there with Ananias when he made that transaction. He didn't know how much money was involved. He didn't know none of these particulars. You tell you how he knew it? Simon Peter had a word of knowledge. God gave him knowledge. 
something he wouldn't have known no other way. I, I've, I've heard of, and I, I mean, I can't say I've done it, but I've been in, I have heard of people in a church and somebody calling out something in somebody's life in the pulpit that they did not know. Now, how does that happen? God puts it in their heart to say something. God lays it on somebody's heart to say something that smites somebody right between their shoulder blades, hits them right in the heart. How does that happen? Word of knowledge, God does that. How does that work? I don't know. Amen. God does things in mysterious ways. Amen. But God can do that. Now, that ain't a gift I'd say most people have and carry around with them every day. But you know what? When God gets ready to do it, he can use it. Amen. The third thing I want to point out, the gift of faith. The gift of faith. We've got a lot of ground to cover, so I'm going to talk fast today. So y'all listen fast. The gift of faith, 1 Corinthians 12, 9, to another faith by the same Spirit. Again, all these things come by the Holy Spirit of God. To another gift of healing by the same Spirit. But we're looking at the, the gift of faith. Now, I've got faith, and you've got faith. We've all got faith, or we wouldn't be saved this morning. Amen. We came, we came to Christ by faith. Amen. And we have faith in the general sense, but this is a specific sense of having faith. This is serious faith. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2 says, Paul says, And though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains. Now, that's some pretty serious faith. Amen? I don't know if you or I have that kind of faith, but that's mountain-moving faith. How many of y'all heard the name George Bristol? I mean, I'm sorry, George Mueller of Bristol. Y'all know the name George? That's a free. Anybody else? George Bristol? I'm George. I can't say it right. George Mueller. George Mueller. I'll say it again. George Mueller of Bristol. Okay. I got it right. George Mueller of Bristol, he lived eight, from 1805 to 1898, so it's no wonder some of you don't remember him. I mean, it was a while back. But he's an example of somebody who was a man of great faith, who had the gift of faith. George Mueller had a Christian orphanage, and he cared for these horribly impoverished children. And George Mueller lived on faith and on prayer. He's remembered as a man that got stuff from God. He never had, listen, he had orphanages. They supported missions, and if I'm not mistaken, had a printing ministry too. I may may be wrong on that, but he never asked a man for a penny. And God supernaturally provided for all his needs. Hear what I'm saying. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other. God provided for all his needs. I'm going to give you a story that will demonstrate the kind of life that he lived. It said that one morning the plates and the cups and the bowls on the table were empty. They were getting ready for breakfast, but there was no food in the pantry. And they didn't have any money to buy food with. All the children are standing there lined up waiting to get their morning meal, All everything's on the table. And Mueller said, children, you know we must be on time for school. Raised his hand toward heaven. He said, dear father, we thank thee for what thou art going to give us to eat. There ain't no food in the pantry. There ain't no food on the table. Kids is all lined up to eat. He's praying, God, thank you for what you're going to give us. And there he went to the door. And the, the baker stood there, and he said, Mr. Mueller, I couldn't sleep last night. Somehow I felt you didn't have bread for breakfast, and the Lord wanted me to send you some. And I got up at 2 a.m., and I baked some fresh bread, and I brought it. George Mueller thanked him. And no sooner had they brought the bread in, second knock at the door. 
the milkman's out there, said the milk cart broke down right in front of the orphanage. And I and since it's all loaded down, I can't fix the cart without taking the milk off. I just want to donate the milk to the orphanage this morning. Now that's God. That's God. that's a man who trusted God. Said God's going to do it, and God ain't going to fail me. If God fails me now, if God fails me this time, it'll be the first time. He went on years later to travel the world as an evangelist, and he was known as the man who gets things from God. He was determined from the beginning he wasn't ever going to ask a man for money. He made an agreement with God he would depend on him alone for every need, trusting wholly in the Lord's faithfulness and provision. Now, that's mountain-moving faith. I, I mean, that, it says if we die, it's God. God's going to, God, if, if God warned us to die because we, if we don't survive, it's going to be on God, and God took care of every need. That ought to tell us that we need to have more faith. Amen? I mean, I, I could get fired up and just preach on faith just based on that, just reading that testimony this morning. We ought to be a faithful, we ought to be a believing people. But that ain't the only gift he gives. The fourth thing, there's the gift of healing. Now, I'm going to preface on this by saying what I've mentioned two weeks ago or three weeks ago by saying I'm a secessionist, which I believe that some of these gifts have passed off the scene, not to say that God could not do those things because God is able to do all things. There's nothing impossible for God. But the reason why we say these sign gifts are no longer uh, on, uh, happening uh, that we that we hear about is because, again, signs and wonders work for the Jews. God has taken his hand off the Jews for the time because they rejected Christ, and he has turned his attention and this age of grace is to reach the Gentiles. And, until, and while the Gentiles are being reached, this age of grace, this church age, Gentiles seek after wisdom, the Bible says. Greeks seek after wisdom. And so the Word of God, we have the Word of God. We don't need signs and wonders and miracles. Now, could God do those things? Sure. Can God still do those things? Sure. But, again, is God choosing uh, people in the Gentile church to have all these miracle, miraculous gifts? And I haven't seen it. I haven't heard of it. But we're going to look at them nonetheless. But this gift of healing, again, it's a fine gift. And I'd say it's a rare gift. Uh but, it, again, it's a gift by the Spirit. Amen. Gifts of healing by the Spirit. Now, the Greek word is healings. It's plural because there's all kinds of healing. I mean, there's physical healing, sure. I mean, I, and I've known people to be healed. I've known people who got prayed for, and they got and they, they got well. I mean, I mean, I believe in power of prayer. I believe God does heal still, sure. But, these are, but there are physical healings. There are mental healings, people who've had all kinds of mental issues, and, and, and they get okay. Amen. And then there's spiritual healings. Those who've got all kinds of spiritual issues, but they but they get God works those things out in their life. But 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 there are some who God has given the ability to heal. But that don't mean that every doctor God has given them the ability to heal. No, of course not. Because you can be a lot plenty of unsaved doctors out there. And don't tell me God's using unsaved doctors because I know better. And I can go off on doctors for a while here, but they ain't gonna do no good. We're no point in it. We all know. We all know every. We know. We all know every system out there is corrupt. Amen. Everything out there that man touches is corrupt. But but there's a supernatural gift of healing. But God also, God does use medicine. 
again, I, I admit that God will use medicine. You know, Matthew 12, I'm sorry, Matthew 9, 12, the Bible said, When Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. So the sick sometimes need a physician. Even Jesus said so. But God does give some the ability to heal if, if it serves his purpose and if it's for his glory. And then we're going to move on to the gift of miracles, which is another sign gift. And again, it's a rare one. Again, I don't know of anybody who's done any miracles, but that doesn't mean God can't still do that. And 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 again, why do I believe it? Because I believe it because the Bible says so. Amen. And if the Bible says so, and and, and there's a God in heaven that sits on the throne, and I believe that too. Amen. And I believe that He's able to do things still today if He wanted to. Amen. Even if He doesn't choose to. And to say that there can't be miracles is to limit God and to say that God's a prisoner of the world that he created, and that's not true. Amen? So, yes, God could do it, but is God likely to do it? Probably not, because, again, he's not dealing with the Jews at this hour. Now, when we get into, oh, I say when we, I ain't going to be here. Y'all ain't either, amen? But when they get into the tribulation period, amen, the seven years of tribulation, where God is, again, dealing with the Jews, there's going to be all kinds of miraculous things happening. But, again, why? Because God's dealing with the Jews who... They require a sign to see that it's God working. But anyway, uh, miracles are not very effective in converting lost people. They're really not. I show you. Luke 16, 27 through 31. That's where you read about the uh, Lazarus and the rich man, rich man in hell, lifting up his eyes. Abraham, dip your finger. Tell Lazarus, dip his finger in water and bring it, drop it on my tongue. I'm tormented in this flame. But you remember what he said? He said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. He said, I don't want him to go to hell. Send him back. Listen to Abraham. They have Moses and the prophets. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. He said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. If somebody got up out of the grave and come back walking around talking about it, it's real, it's real, they'll repent. He said unto him, if they, hear, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. A miracle ain't going to change their mind if they won't believe the Bible. Amen. And again, that's why I say I don't think we're in the age of miracles. Amen. The Word of God is complete. We have a copy of the Word of God. Everybody wants a copy can get a copy if you live in a free country. And I just don't think that we're in the age of miracles right now. <laughs> you know, Jesus sometimes had nearly to step over miracle seekers just to get the work of his ministry done. I think about John six twenty six. Where they, they, they're following Jesus across the Sea of Galilee. They got over and they're like, oh, Jesus, fancy seeing you over here. We didn't know you was over here. And they've been following him the whole night trying to get over and get another meal out of him, you see. And Jesus answered them and said, verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. I mean, it was a miracle that they got that. They said, y'all just seeking to see what else kind of tricks I can do for you. And as we study the Bible, we find that miracles mostly come in clusters. You see the miracles uh, surrounding creation, God speaking all this into existence. 
There's miracles surrounding Elisha and Elijah. There's miracles surrounding the ministry of Jesus. There's miracles surrounding the ministry of the apostles. And, and then there are miracles that are prophesied to happen during the last days. But we don't see miracles prophesied to take place during this day and time we're living in. <clears throat> and a person who's spirit-filled, doesn't they're not necessarily going to do miracles. John the Baptist was filled with the spirit from his mother's womb. <clears throat> and he didn't do no miracles. John 10, 41 and 42, And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man were true, and many believed on him there. So his ministry was that he pointed people to Jesus Christ, yet he was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. But he didn't have the gift of miracles. And then we see the gift of prophecy in verse 10. The Bible said to another, the working of miracles, to another prophecy. Now what is prophecy? Sometimes prophecy can be foretelling, telling that this is going to take place in this certain time. And there's a lot of prophecy in the Bible, but prophecy isn't just foretelling, but sometimes it is what we call foretelling. Foretelling. In other words, to foretell is to speak forth, to disclose anything that can only be revealed through divine inspiration, to proclaim the supernatural will, to explain God's plans, to publicly announce in any manner the message of God intended to influence humanity, otherwise known as Bible preaching. Amen? That is prophecy. What I'm doing right now this morning is called prophesied. Amen? I'm telling you what God wants you to know. Amen? So, again, and, and this is the office of a prophet. Like Isaiah, Jeremiah, that's the, you know, that's the that's the ministry of prophecy. Uh First Corinthians fourteen three, he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. So what is it what does prophecy do? It edifies, which is to build up, preaching to build you up and help you to be better uh, a better child of God and help you be stronger as a believer. Exhortation will fire you up. That's what exhortation means. And preaching to get you fired up to do something for God, to make, to move on what you hear. And then also it'll comfort, it'll shore you up, give you peace in where you're at. So that's what prophecy is to do. And in, in 1 Corinthians 14, the Apostle Paul will spend almost the entire chapter showing the superiority of prophecy over tongues, and we'll look at that a little bit later on, but we're going to talk about tongues today, this morning a little bit. Uh, the next thing we see is the discerning of spirits. 1 Corinthians 12, t- uh, 10, later on that verse, it says, uh, to another discerning of spirits. Now, I know y'all know this. We live in a world full of evil spirits. That's going on all around us. I mean, you think about it. <clears throat> when y'all was growing up, was there drag queens in the libraries reading the little kids? When y'all was growing up, were there naked men walking down the street? Were their genitals exposed, chanting about coming for the children and things of that nature? Were there women outside of clinics screaming to kill their babies when y'all were coming up? It's safe to say that hell has vomited an unlimited amount of devils onto the place on this earth, and they and they are inhabiting some some. Satanic people's bodies, those who are inclined to give themselves over to the devil. We're living in a day when people are yielding themselves to Satan. It's the truth. 
as bad as I hate to say that, as bad as I hate that that's true, that's really true. <clears throat> we, we're living in a world where the music industry, my goodness, the music industry, is full of devil worshipers. And we live amongst a, a, a generation of young people who idolize those satanic devil worshipers. And so this gift is essential to us in this hour that we live in. It's one of discerning of spirits. Because, again, because devils exist. Devils are lying spirits. And, again, why why do we have a nation? Why, why do I look around here this morning and I see not one person in here that I would call a young person? I'm not calling you all old people because I'm, I'm talking to myself, too. But ain't none of us in here young people. Let's be honest. Why not? Why are there no young people in here? Is it because we get up, we start too early? Is it because what we have to say is not valuable or interesting? No. It's because there's devils who are lying to them daily and have got them, like again, chasing their tail and going nowhere and lost. We need discernment. We need to be watchmen. We've got to have discernment if we're going to watch out for anybody. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, it says Satan himself, listen to that again, Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Satan himself comes at people who ain't got any sense and says, hey, I'm your Savior. I will rescue you. Follow me. I will make your life wonderful. I will give you all the desires you've ever wanted. Why do you think people give up everything and and, and dedicate themselves into the service of Satan? Uh, It's because of all the material things that he promises them. But we know, we know, because we got wisdom, that they may have all those material things, but those material things will destroy them. And those material things will bring them to nothing, and all they have done is influence other people to follow them down the road to destruction. We know that. And this gift is needed in our churches today. Those with this gift are able to discern if it's a devil pretending to be an angel or if it's just a wolf in sheep's clothing. But you know what? We need to be able to tell the difference. We need to be able to tell the difference so we're able to warn others. Then we get to the gift of tongues. Again, that's a sign gift. And again, that's rare as rare can be. Again, and you might say, well, you go to any Pentecostal church. Well, that's, again, when when you're saying stuff like, should I bought a Honda, but I bought a Kia, you know, stuff like that. That's, again, that's not tongues. And we and we'll get all into that when we get to chapter fourteen. We'll be in there and beat that drum louder than you want to you want to hear it. But but for right now, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump plumb off into the ditch with it. I'm just gonna touch upon it. But the Bible says again to another diverse kinds of tongues. Did God give this gift? Yes, yes, He did. But what is it? The word for tongue does not mean a unknown ecstatic. Heavenly language spoken by angels. That is not what the Bible teaches at all. Nowhere in the Word of God does it teach that at all, period. The word for tongue in the Bible means one of two things here. That's tongue. It means that muscle in your mouth, or it means a known spoken language, one spoken here on earth. Okay? So when it talks about 
diverse kinds of tongues. The gift of tongues is a supernatural gift. Praise God in a foreign language that you've never learned before. Acts 2, 5-11, and they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. That's a known language. And these were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? That means they spoke the language of the Galileans. They're from that region, that from that had that dialect. And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, dwellers of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, about Cyrene, strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, uh, Cretes and Arabians. That's 17 different dialects, 17 different tongues that they were hearing them in. So when they said tongues, makes sense. Amen. Do we hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God? So they were praising God not in an unknown tongue, but in a known tongue. Why? So that all of those men from all those different places could hear the praise of God Almighty in their own language. 1 Corinthians 14.22, the Bible says, Wherefore tongues are for a sign, now hear me, not to them that believe, to all these people in these Pentecostal churches, who claim to be saved, and they're all in there jumping around, jumping up and down like the preachers is on fire and, and doing all that stuff for one another, they don't even understand the Word of God. Because it's not for them that believe. And that ain't what, that ain't what they were doing in the Bible either. <clears throat> but to them that believe not, tongues are a sign to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not to them that believe not, but for them which believe. So preaching... A preaching Bible doctrine ain't going to do any good to somebody who doesn't even know what you're talking about. Tongues were a sign to those that believe not so that they could see that God loved them and he sent his only begotten son. So, again, tongues are not for a sign for believers but for unbelievers. So, we're, again, we're going, to, we're going to jump plumb off into that when we get to it. But Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, he said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than ye all. What do he mean? He means when I go places, God gives me the ability to speak most people's languages. I believe that everywhere Paul went. God gave him the ability to speak to them people. Again, it was a miraculous gift. But God did it to further the gospel. And then there's the gift of the interpretation of tongues. Again, another sign gift because it goes and accompanies gifts. And it, again, it's a rare one too. <clears throat> and the word interpretation means the translation. This is the supernatural interpretation of a language. Somebody speaks in a, it's, it's like, I, I wish somebody would have had this gift when Krupa was here. <laughs> Y'all could have interpreted his English. <laughs> but uh, anyway, but that's, but that's kind of what it is. It'd be like if somebody was here this morning and they, they wanted to speak and we let them stand up and, and they spoke in, let's say they spoke in, Philip, some, some Philippine language that we never heard before. 
You know, it's like Thousand Islands over there. They got all kinds of dialects. And then somebody stood up. Let's say Dan stood up back there and started speaking to us, telling us what what they had said in their language, so that we would understand that they were praising God. Now that would that that would that would be an interpretation of tongues, but it wouldn't be for believers. It's actually for unbelievers. So again, but it's it's the translation of a language. I, I have heard. I read years ago of somebody uh, from China was visiting the United States and, and, and they had gone to a church with some friends in the United States and it was a Pentecostal church and, of course, there was tongue speaking going on in the service and the, 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 the person from China, they told, they told the person, we've got to go, we've got to go. And when they got out of there, they told them, said, I couldn't stand there any longer. They were speaking in my language, but they were cursing God. They were cursing God in, in my language, and I couldn't stand it. I couldn't be in there. And again, you don't know what's being said if you're just giving yourself over to something and letting boo come out of your mouth. That's not the Bible. That's not what they did in the Bible. And 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 to think that 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 stuff is is God working. Let me tell you something. Whether you realize it or not, over over in, in India, where where he's from, listen, there there are people who practice that that. Uh, that Indian Hinduism and that and the African and Africa and the Voodoo they practice over there. There's people that does this very same thing. They fall down and shake, and all kinds of stuff comes out of them. God's when God does something, God does it right. God doesn't do things confused. God God's not the author of confusion. The Word of God says so. And and again, I'm, I'm assuming God still uses. He can still use tongues. He can still use interpretation of tongues that were necessary. <clears throat> but if he decides to do it, he won't ever contradict his word, I can tell you that. That's one thing for sure I do know. Now, let's hurry. we got to hurry. I'm going to get done with this. Romans 12, turn over there with me. Romans 12, 4 through 8. We're going to cover a little bit more and we'll get done. Romans 12, 4 through 8. Bible said Romans 12, 4 through 8, for, for as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one members of another, having them gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on ex exhortation, he that giveth let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now that passage is mentioning what we call support gifts. So let's look at them, run through them real quickly, okay? So that you understand these are gifts as well, along with these other ones that are mentioned. And these are ones that are really more, more likely to be used here in the church than, than some of these others that are rare, okay? So we see first the gift of ministry. Ministry, what is ministry? Ministry is just serving. Ministry is doing something for God. This is general church work. I, I give you. I was thinking last night when I started thinking about this. I thought of Bonnie. Bonnie does lots of things, and she goes back there on on uh, um, like like when we have our our eating meeting. She's back there warming food up, taking care of that. That's just general service. Listen, and and, and that's service. That's a gift to be able to, to to say I need to do this. I need to help out. I need to take care. Uh, Miss Joanne, you know, for playing the piano. That's a service gift. She does that, and she feels an obligation to do it. And she wants to do it for God, and that and she has the ability to do it. So that's a gift of service. Uh, somebody working, uh, Robert doing an offering. That's a service gift. You know, Brother Byron taking care of the finances, and Miss Miss Joanne. 
I mean, Miss Joanne working with them and Miss Bonnie working. That's this all that's part of that's ministry gifts, and you know, and everything that we do, whether it's something, whether it's something as simple as as, as wiping a mirror or, or, or washing a dish or emptying the trash or teaching a class or, or, or taking out the offering, whatever it is, we ought to do everything that we do in the power of God, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything we ought to surrender ourselves to God and do it with everything that we can for God's glory. And that's, that's what gift of ministry is. And there's so many people who have the ability, but they don't ever step forward and say, what can I do? And then there's the gift of teaching. We see that in verse 7 as well. This might be the Sunday school teacher. This might be a missionary teacher. This might be somebody teaching their child at home, uh, trying to homeschool their child to teach them right from wrong, teach them, teach them the right way and not give them the world's view. So, again, the gift of teaching, that's another gift that God gives. Then there's the gift of exhortation. We see that in verse 8. The gift of exhortation, that's somebody that encourages. Uh, there are people in God's, in God's family, and when you see them, they lift you up. They're a blessing to see. There's, there's some people drag, drag you right down to the bottom. But praise God for those who will lift you up, who are always an encouragement, who always got a smile on their face, want to shake your hand, pat you on the back, and encourage you. Uh, and, and that's a gift that God gives. Don't, 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 don't pass that off as not being important because uh, an encourager is so important in this day and time that we live in when so many things work to, to keep you down and to defeat you and, and steal your joy. We need encouragers, and that's a, that's a powerful gift that God gives somebody. Then there's the gift of giving, and I'm going quick because I know you all ready to go to the house. There's the gift of giving, amen? Now, all of us are to give, but there's a special gift of giving that God mentions in the Word here. And this gift of giving is the ability to make money and to give money uh, wisely and sacrificially. I, I'm, I'm, I've known men who have had lots of money, and they have given it sacrificially to the work of God, and God has blessed them and taken care of them and, and prospered them because they did. And, and it wasn't just men. I've known women do the same. But, again, when, when, when God – I've said this before, but I'll say it again. When God gets a hold of a person's heart, he'll get a hold of their billfold too because suddenly you realize everything you have, God gave you. And if God gave you that, and if God lays on your heart to do something with it, you ought to listen to him and do what he says. And if God says, I want you to, I want you to fund this or support that, you ought to obey him because God will take care of you in doing it. All right? Let's keep going. The gift of ruling. Verse 8, we see that one. This is the gift of administration. This is the gift of leadership. You know, again, as people, people who work in in leadership in the church. They, they often have this gift, and God help a church that when one doesn't have it, and pray for me. Amen. Uh, but, again, God God gives those in authority, he gives them that gift to, to be able to uh, to take care of those things. All right, let's move on. The gift of mercy. That's also in verse 8. Mercy is showing the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, man, everybody will be able to do that. But some are sure a lot better than others. Some people are, are quick to show mercy. Some people, you got to nearly beat it out of them. But praise God for those who are quick to be merciful. Again, those those are the kind of people that, that you want standing by the bedside. Those are the kind of people that you that you want to, to, to help somebody and go visit somebody when they're down. Those are the kind of people that you want. And again, it, it, it can be anybody within the church. If you have the ability, if you have that gift of God to be able to comfort, you ought to use it for God's glory because God needs comforters, those who are able to show mercy. 
All right. Romans 12, 1 and 2. We're going to look at this and we're done. Okay? Principle of lordship, verses 1 and 2 in Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And now if you want to find the will of God for you and your service to him, if you want to find out what God wants you to do in his service, then you have got to come to God and say, God, I give myself to you. I am yours, lock, stock, and barrel. Take my life, as Francis Havergill said in her song, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Let my, take my hands and let them move always at the impulse of thy love. Take, take my lips and make them thine. They shall be no longer mine. All those things she said in that song, she's saying, Lord, take me and I'm giving myself to you. And if you want God to use you, you have to do that. God is not going to come to where you live, wake you up and rip your service away from you and say, God, you uh, say, say, come on, you're going with me. You're going to do this. God's not going to force you out. God ain't going to come wake you up like your mama did when you was in school and won't get out of bed. Amen? God ain't going to force you to do nothing. God, God's, going to, God's going to expect you to come to him. Amen? And, and your gift that God gave you, you've got a gift. God's already given it to you. You have it whether you know what it is or not. But you have to have God's power for it to operate. Just like you get a, when you was a kid, you, or when, you, when your kids were growing up, and you got them a present, and it had to say, battery's not included. Amen? That's a horrible thing when you open that present on Christmas morning, and you can't play with it because you ain't got no batteries, and the store's closed because it's Christmas. Right? I know why everybody hates that, or they did when they was a kid. But again, it's the same way. God gives you gifts, but you can't run around and operate them on your own. You've got to go to God and say, God, empower what I've got. I need your power in my life. And God gives you your gift when you get saved. I mean, you don't get it later on. You get it You get it when you get saved. You may not know it's there, but that gift begins to operate when you get the power to operate. And that power comes, again, when you present yourself to the Lord. Now, that's the principle of lordship, letting him have what he paid for. Then there's the principle of stewardship. That's doing right with what you got. Romans 12, 3 and 4. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. Now, three times in verse 3, Paul used the word think. We're to be stewards of whatever gift that God gives us. Right? If God gives you something, he wants you to do something with it. Am I right? Amen. You're not, you're not sick, soak, and sour. That's not God's plan for the believer. In Romans 12, 2, the Bible tells us that we are to renew our mind. So we need to get all the worldly garbage thinking out and to think the way God would have us think. All right? We're not to think more highly than we ought to think. That means we're not to be self-important. We're not think we're better than everybody, and we ain't got to do like everybody else. See, we insult God if we think God hasn't given us a gift. I have I have run into many people like this over the years, pastoring church. 
We're second. I had, I had somebody tell me one day. We feel like we're second-class citizens in the family of God. I had a man tell me that right before he quit the church after having been there for years. Now, nobody in the church treated him like a second-class citizen, but he didn't understand what I'm teaching you today. He couldn't get it. <clears throat> he felt like he had to he had to show God something rather than God show him. No, God says we're to renew our mind. We're to change the way we think. <clears throat> and we do have a gift. And we, we act as though God, well, God should have showed me what it was he wanted me to know. But God already told us that he's given us gifts. He's told us in his word. We're reading it this morning. We just hadn't believed him. We just hadn't went looking for it. We can't blame God because we hadn't found it yet if we're not even looking. Amen. Praise God. I mean, it only makes sense, you know. The Bible tells us we're to think soberly. That means we're to be serious about this life that we're living. And and how do you find your gift? I'll give you a good, give you a good exercise. Think about some things that you enjoy doing. What do you like to do? What are the things that, you're, that you feel like you're interested in? Then ask, then ask yourself this. Can I use this for God's glory? These things that I'm that, that I have abilities to do, these things that I'm I'm, I'm fairly good at, is this maybe something God gave me that I can use to glorify Him and magnify Him? You know, pray about those things. Go to God. You have these gifts. You're to be a good steward of it. And if you don't seek to 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 find out what it is and to put it into use, then you're not being a good steward. Then there's the principle of fellowship, and I'm done on this. One. Verses four through six. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. I'm, I'm in Romans 12 still. So we, being, mem- being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members of one of another. Again, this is my right hand. It and my left foot don't meet too often. But we're members of the same body. Matter of fact, my left my left foot hadn't hadn't been in contact with my head since I was a little baby. But we're all members of the same body, even though we ain't really been around one another lately. We're all members of the same. In the body of Christ, you and I belong to each other. We're all part of the same body. And in order to discover our gift, we've got to get into the body of Christ and go to work. And I say that to everybody here, and I say that to everybody listening in to me that didn't come today. You've got to get in and go to work if you want to be a part of the body. I'm not saying that's plus it, nobody, but it's a literal fact. You're not a functioning part of the body if you don't come to be a part of the body. Um, so when God gives us a gift, God, you know, we'll be looking for that gift. I said, well, you need to get in church and go to work. Find something to do. So, well, hey, what God called me to do? That's okay. Get in, get involved in something. Find somewhere to be useful in God's church. And what he will do, if, if, if you start working, God will begin to show you what your gift is. And not only will he show you, he'll show somebody else. And they'll, they'll say something to you about your ability. And God will confirm in you what he's doing. And he'll confirm that gift to you. That gift will come out. As we as you get into church and get to work for God, 
And when we go to work for God, we'll find that our brothers and sisters in Christ will <laughs> ask us to help in specific ways. Whatever it be. There's all kinds of ways that people can help in the church. You know? And in doing so, and others asking you for help and asking you to do it, you'll find your gift. But you've got to make yourself available. And it'll come to the surface. But we've got to seek to find out what it is God wants us to do. And when we find it, let's be ready and be willing to say, God, here I am. Use me. Do something with me. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to have a song of invitation. And as we do, I, I want you to, I want you to, I want you to pray. We're going to pray before we sing, but as we pray, I want you to ask God, God, show me what you want me to do. God, show me. If I don't, if you don't know what that gift is, would you ask God? Would you say, God, I don't know what my gift is, but God, I, I'm going to give myself to you, and I'm going to let you have me. And whatever it is you want me to do, Lord, just show me, and I'll do it. Are you willing this morning? Listen to me. Are you willing this morning to yield yourself to God? Will you give him what he's paid for? Will you give God what he has paid for? Because he's paid for it. If he's washed you in his blood, he paid for you, and you're his. And it's selfish and it's stealing for us to take what belongs to him and say, Lord, you can't have it. I'm going to have it. We've got to let him have us. And if we put ourselves in his hands, God will never mistreat us. God will use us. And in the end, we'll see that it was all for his glory and it was all right. Let's go to the Lord today in a word of prayer. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for the message. And, Lord, I pray today that the Holy Spirit of God, that you'll lay on somebody's heart what you, something you'd have them to do for you. Or, Lord, you'll just draw them, Lord, to come and just surrender and say, Lord, take me and use me for your glory, and I'll do whatever it is that I can in your kingdom. And, Lord, I realize the time is short. Lord, we need to realize that. We need to be busy in this late hour before it's too late. And, Father, I just pray that you'll, that you'll work through this invitation, Lord, and you'll draw people to make decisions for thee. And we'll give you glory and praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Oh, no one joins me till I will fall. Oh, no.
and I hope you'll come back tonight at 6. We'll be back in Nehemiah. We'll be back on the wall, building that wall. Amen. Amen. I wish we'd build one in our own country. Amen. <coughs> Praise God. We're learning from Nehemiah and learning the need for that wall. Amen. We need a wall in our own personal life. We need a spiritual wall protecting us. Amen. We need to guard that wall. Guard it for our, for our family and those who come after us. You know, I'm mindful of that verse. If the foundations be destroyed, what shall the right? What can the righteous do? And we've we've got to build them walls back up around us. Amen. And we got to show our generations after us how to be wall builders. Amen. Praise God. It's been good to be with you this morning, church. And I pray that God bless you this afternoon. You have a good afternoon in the Lord, and and come back and be with us at six. Amen. Is there anything from anybody before we go to the Lord or go to the house today before we go to the Lord? Next Sunday's fellowship meal, amen. All right, well let's let's prepare accordingly. And uh and I guess everybody bring something, bring a dessert, just like we always do. All right. And we'll see you then. Well we'll hopefully see you tonight, amen. <laughs> and Wednesday too. Well let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to bless us and